Hey, thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the Word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, rolmt.com, or download our app. Just search R-O-L-M-T in your app store. Thanks. going to dig into God's Word, and I want to start by, uh, first of all, just saying welcome to our Star Valley people. Would you give them a round of applause? And to those in Malawi, will you give them a round of applause? We're super excited. We, we, got, uh, we had somebody go out on the land that we bought in Malawi and give us kind of the dimensions of what that's going to look like, and man, God is going to do some incredible things there. And so we just continue to pray and get, that God will give our team here wisdom, give them wisdom as we move forward in that. And we're just excited to see what God's going to do. Amen? Yes. Amen. Well, uh, I want us to look at Matthew chapter 17 this evening. It says this, when they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him, Lord, have mercy on my son. He said, he has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire and into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't, could not heal him. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Let's pray. God, in the next few moments as we look at your word, I pray, Father, that you will show us exactly what we need to see. God, I'm so grateful because you are so good and so loving and you care so much for us. So, Lord, I know that every time we dig into, the, into scripture, God, you can show us something we need to see. And, and Lord, if we apply it, it can change everything. So God, I pray that that's where we'll be tonight, that we will apply what your word says. And we praise you for that. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I want us to look at this for just a moment because Jesus says to the disciples, nothing shall be impossible for you. Um, this is an interesting story. I can't even imagine being this dad He's got a, a son that's having all these seizures and so bad that he's actually found himself throwing himself into fire and, and, and maybe almost drowning and all of these things. And so he sees that Jesus and the disciples are there. He's heard amazing things. So he brings his boy to the disciples and the disciples pray over him, but nothing changes. I can only imagine the disciples surrounding this young man and they probably had been in this place where they've watched Jesus do so many things that they probably just start off with just a simple little prayer and nothing seems to change. And so I can only imagine probably Peter, maybe someone else, but I would guess maybe Peter would go, okay, wait, 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 what else have we seen Jesus do? We've seen him use a commanding voice. Let's try that. And then they use a commanding voice and nothing changes. And so they say, oh, uh, we've also seen Jesus uh, rub mud in their eyes. So even though that has nothing to do with the, what the kid's problem is. I don't know what they did, but I can only imagine that they probably thought of all the things that they've seen Jesus do, but nothing seemed, I mean, Peter's probably looking around for a herd of pigs at this point, like we're, <laughs> Right? He's, they're trying all the things that they've seen and they go to Jesus and after, after Jesus sets this boy free, they're like, what is it? Why couldn't we? What is the difference? Why could you do it and we couldn't do it? And the only thing that they were missing, they had everything that they needed except for faith. 
They needed faith. Now, faith is also the, the only thing that can deliver this generation. See, we've got a season and a time right now that we are walking through where there are so many problems. There are way more problems than it seems that there are answers, except for we know the main answer, right? But it's easy to sit back and feel like, well, there's no way. How could we? This doesn't seem to, everything we try doesn't seem to be working. But I'm telling you right now that if we as the church would rise up in faith and begin to understand that God is calling us not to, not to try and win the lost by how fancy we can be, how, how impressive we can look, or any of those things, but to just walk in faith, then God will do what only God can do. In the message trans translation of this story, it says, Jesus said, what a generation, no sense of God, no focus to your lives. How many times do I have to go over these things? How much longer do I have to put up with this? Bring the boy here, he ordered, the afflicting demon out, and it, and it was out, gone. From that moment, the boy was well. When the disciples had Jesus off to themselves, they, they asked, why couldn't we throw it out? Because you're not yet taking God seriously, said Jesus. Can I tell you, I, I was rereading this story this week and I was thinking to myself that I've grown up in the church my whole life and I've been around when I would hear the older generation talk about the past, talk about what it used to be like, talk about the fact that there used to be a Sunday morning meeting and a, and a Sunday night meeting and a Wednesday night meeting and all of these meetings and, and revival that they'd seen and things breaking out and, and it's really easy to, to listen to those and get a little bit jealous but what can happen is the older generation can want to go back and replicate what happened before and that's not what God's calling us to. And the younger generation, though, they're not any better because what they do is they look at other churches that are being successful or other ministries that are happening. They try to replicate what someone else is doing. And that's not what Jesus said was needed there. When they couldn't cast him out, Jesus didn't go, hey, didn't you follow the model that I had laid out in front of you before? Didn't you, did you do step one, two, and three? Because that's how you get them out. No, he said, what you lacked was faith. So for us, what we need to understand today is that God is calling us not to a shortcut, but he's calling us to a deeper place where faith wells up inside of us, where we begin to trust and know that God is good and that he's in control. What we see now is churches trying to dumb down the gospel so that it fits more people. That's not, that's, that's not what God's calling us to. He's calling us to this place of being bold and walking in faith that can only come when, we, when we're leaning into who Christ is inside of our lives. Jesus doesn't talk technique. He talks faith. Jesus uses this failed attempt to teach his disciples one of the most valuable lessons. Because it's hard uh, sometimes we skip and we assume that it isn't for us. He says, say to the mountain, be removed and it will go away. Yes. Say to it, be removed and it will get lost. How many of you have an it that you'd like to see get lost? How many of you have an it in your life right now that needs to be removed? You have a problem that needs to go away. 
You have something in your, in, your, in your current state right now. Maybe it's a financial it. Maybe it's a relational it. Maybe it's a physical it. And it needs to be removed. He says, if you put faith in God, then what seems impossible is no longer impossible. What feels like you're never going to get to the other side of it, it is possible through God. When God asks you to do something, it becomes possible. But what happens is I think sometimes we get stuck because we look at what we're capable of. What can I do? What, what's within my realm of possibility? But when God gives you something impossible to do, then he'll make a way for you to do it. Why? Because then he looks good. If I only do what I can do, then I can look pretty good. If I, can, if I can accomplish it, and you can all go, wow, that was really amazing that Pastor Jason accomplished that thing. Good for him. But when, I, when we step out and we do something that is like, there's no way that, that we can do it, and then it happens, there's no other option but to give God glory for it. So, see, God gets the glory when someone like me, with little talent, little resource but serves a big God, right? Like when we started this church in East Missoula, there was a lot that was against us. There was a lot of things that didn't seem like they would work. And you know what? On paper, they shouldn't have worked. But in the middle of that, if you can step in and go, you know what, God, I don't really know how. I don't know why. I don't know what this looks like, but I'm gonna say yes and I'm gonna keep saying yes. Then all of a sudden, God shows up, and it can be somebody like me with little talent. I don't know if they put my name up there with that with the heading underneath there or not. I don't know if she did that, but I had it up there. It said little talent, little resource, but big God. Amen? See, you can sit in the room today, and you can daydream about winning the lottery. If I won the lottery, man, I could, I could have such an impact in this world. If I would just, if I could just, if I hit all those numbers right, you see the, 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 you know, the billboards as you're driving by, like, man, it's all the way up to that, you know, a billion dollars or whatever. If I had that, then I could, man, the things I could do, hands of hope, they wouldn't have to ask for donated stuff anymore. I could just give them all brand new stuff and, and I could do this and I could do that. But guess what? It's you doing it then. But if instead, well, you don't have all those resources, you go, God, I'm going to trust you that I'm going to start saying yes to some stuff and I'm going to start walking it out. And as I start walking it out, I believe you. I take you at your word that you are my resource and that you're going to resource what I'm doing. Because it's easy. If all of a sudden I go, man, I got a billion dollars in the bank, right? I don't really need God in that equation then. But if I got nothing in the bank, but I'm still saying yes to giving in the offering, to, to watching for people who are in need and, and occasionally giving them some money or, or buying somebody a meal that needs them or whatever, all of a sudden now God goes, I see you. I see what you're doing and I'm gonna, I'm gonna resource that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you what you need. I, I always find it funny when someone will sit across from me and they want a leadership role in church and they try to convince me about how much they know or how much they have or their skill set because I got to be honest with you, none of that impresses me because this church is built on dreamers who applied faith and they became doers. 
And that's who we're called to be. We're called to be people who dream big dreams that are bigger than us so that God can then, as we apply faith, God can show up and actually make us look way better than we are. The person with big dreams is more powerful than the person who has all the answers. Because when we allow facts to determine how we live, this is what we find ourselves. We find that the facts may say, you can't do anything, you lack the financial resources, but God's word says, God will meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory. The facts may say, you are sick and you will not recover, but God's word says, by his stripes, you are healed. So I want us to look in, in Ezekiel chapter 37 at this particular story. We're not going to read the whole story, but I'm going to read part of it to you. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord to set me in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord. You alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will breathe in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So this story is incredible because God places a man in a graveyard and says, have church. He says, he says hey, I'm going to put you to a place where there is no life. And I'm, I'm asking you, is it possible that life can come back? And Ezekiel's answer is, Lord, only you know. And so God gives him instruction and he says, hey, I want you to speak to the dry bones. I want, you to, I want you to talk to them and I want you to share the word of the Lord with them. And as we see the story unfold, we see that exactly what God is asking is exactly what happens. That, that these bones begin to rattle and they begin to put themselves back together again and tendons begin to grow and, and, and skin begins to cover them and then breath comes back in. This is this amazing, amazing moment. And I want you to hear this today because no matter what your problem is, it isn't greater than the problem that Ezekiel was facing. Today, maybe your marriage is dead or your finances are dead or your future is dead. The good news is that some of the greatest miracles have taken place in a graveyard. Jesus spent time in the grave, but he eventually took off his grave clothes. The greatest victory in human existence happened in a graveyard. The greatest victory can also happen when it seems like everything in your, in your story is dead. When you feel like lying down and giving up, stand up and remove the grave clothes. Speak to the dead things inside of your life and see them come to life. Ezekiel said, the hand of the Lord was upon me and he set me down. I wanted you to hear that because Ezekiel acknowledges that God placed him in the valley of dry bones. He put him there. Sometimes God navigates us into a storm so that he can be glorified. So God sets him down in this place where, it, where everything is dead and so dead that it's dry. Why? Because God wanted to be glorified. Because God wanted Ezekiel to see 
In Ezekiel chapter 1, it says that the hand of the Lord carried him up and shows him heaven. So the same hand that, that may be with you when you're up is the same hand that will be with you when you're down. Amen. He is with you. He has not forgotten you. Some of you need to hear that today because you're in the middle of what feels like a really dry time. Not the kind of dry that Pastor Seth was talking about, but a dry time in your life where you feel like, like man, I just don't know how things could get any better I've talked to people even in our church body who have, have gone from one hard thing to the next hard thing to the next hard thing, and they feel like giving up, and I want you to hear today that if, if you trust that hand when you're on the high point in your life, you got to also trust him in the valley of dry bones. Because whether you find yourself there because of something you've done or because God is allowing you to walk through a season, what you do need to understand is though you may be in a valley of dry bones, he's the one that can breathe life into those bones again. says in scripture that they were very dry. But what I, what I find interesting about this story is Ezekiel found joy even in such a low place and even around dry bones. I've been around some dry bones and they can be joy suckers. It's a good thing that he wasn't drawing his joy from what was around him, but he was drawing his joy and his strength from the Lord. Don't let your circumstances dry you up. Don't allow what's around you to dictate who you are. You're a child of the Most High King. And he is in control. As long as you will allow him to be in control, he will be in control. If you will take your circumstance and quit trying to make it happen on your own, quit trying to fight and push through and make things uh, become what you want them to become, instead put your trust and your hope in God and say, God, I'm going to trust you and I don't understand why my marriage is struggling. I don't understand why my job is so hard. I don't understand why my finances, I just can't keep, seem to get to the other side of them. I don't understand this health crisis that I find myself in. Don't let your circumstances dry you up. Ezekiel went to a place where he was in the minority. He could have been affected and changed, but instead he affected change. We live in a world right now that doesn't need for us to be affected by it. We need to affect it. We need to be the one that changes it. The problem is, is we've gotten to a place where it feels like the push is so hard on us that maybe we'll just compromise a little bit here and compromise a little bit there. And by doing so, maybe people will like us a little bit more and we'll have a little bit more opportunity to share Jesus with them. But I'll tell you what Ezekiel didn't do. He didn't get to the valley of dry bones and he didn't lay down and play dead. He stood up and said, well, I, these guys may all be dead, but I'm alive and I'm going to listen to what, the God, what God says. And when God tells me to speak the word of the Lord over them, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to watch what only God can do. And some of you, you've got, you've got dry bones all around you. You've got relationships. You've got friendships. You've got people who are lost and they're hurting. And you've tried to compromise to make them like you more. And I'm telling you right now, stop compromising and start standing. Romans chapter 15, verse 4 says, Such things were written in the scripture long ago to teach us. They give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promise, promises to be fulfilled. Now, underlined in this thing, wait patiently. Why? Because he, he has so many promises for us, but I watch as people, they want the promise now. And if they don't get it now, then they feel like, oh, God isn't actually going to do that for me. He's not going to show up. 
Imagine being a parent and your child is at home and, and they're watching TV and a, and a commercial comes on for Disneyland. And your kid has never been to Disneyland. And so they say, I want to go to Disneyland. And as a parent, you go, well, yeah, someday. Someday we'll, we'll maybe do that. And, uh, and I know some of you are boycotting Disney. Just stick with me on the story anyhow. <laughs> Universal Studios. Okay, so the kid says, I want to go to Universal Studios. And, and you say, yeah, someday. And they, and they, say, they say, okay, I'm going to go pack my bags right now. Well, we're not going right now, but someday. And the kid says, you promise? How many of you have kids that you promise? Promise? And mom and dad, you go, yeah, we promise. We promise that we will one day. And the kid goes and starts packing their bag right then. Now, as the parent, you know, this is something that takes time and planning and saving and all these things. So it's not going to happen right now. But you're the parent, so you know that. The child doesn't know that. So the child now comes out with their suitcase packed. They got their, you know, they got all their stuff. They're ready to go. And you're like, yeah, I said we will, but not right now. Now the child's disappointed. Why? Because they're a child. What I'm saying to you, church, is God's promises are for you and they're real. But sometimes the answer is not now. Sometimes the timing isn't right. Sometimes this isn't exactly when he's going to do it. But I want you to hear that God, he, his promises are real and they are true and they are for you. And so as you hear that, what you need to understand is that instead of being the child who's disappointed and I'm going to take my ball and go home because now I'm upset with God, instead lean in and say, God, I trust you and your timing because I know that when you say it, you mean it. I know that when you say it, you'll do it. I know that when your word says Jehovah Jireh, my provider, it means you are my provider. And, and I'm going to trust you even when it seems sparse, even when it seems like dry bones are all around me. The thing about the story is, is it wasn't just when Ezekiel showed up that the bones came back to life. God gave instruction. And as, he, as Ezekiel was faithful with the instruction, then the bones began to rattle. Things began to change. For some of you, the reason things aren't changing in your story is you're not actually listening to God. These bones were dry, they were divided, and they were dead. And that is the way that we find much of the church today. But we need to understand that if we're going to prepare for impact, that when faith steps into dry, divided, and dead things, it brings unity, restoration, and life. In the story, it says, you dead, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Can I tell you, speak God's word into your graveyard. Whatever that thing is in your life that's dead and dying, whatever it is that's struggling, if it's a relationship, then speak God's word into it. If it's your finances, speak God's word into it. Be faithful to what God says about finances. Whatever it is, speak God's word into it. We hear the facts of our circumstances more than we hear the promises of God, so we lay down and assume that we will end up dry and dead as well. But the bones began to shake. You know what I love about that is in Acts chapter 2, the place began to shake. When all of a sudden we begin to walk in faith, things begin to shake, things begin to change. Use God's word in your graveyard and it will shake things up. 
We love the idea of God's word, but applying it is often difficult. There was a coming together as Ezekiel spoke God's word over those dry bones. What is it in your life that you've given up on? Is it worse than a bunch of dry, dead bones? All of that death outnumbered Ezekiel by a long shot, but one voice speaking life and truth, no matter how outnumbered you may be, one voice speaking life and truth, things begin to shake. Problem is, is in this culture, in this time, We've stopped speaking God's word. We've stopped speaking hope and life. Why? Because we're afraid of what people will say about us. We've chosen, I'd rather just fit in. But God is calling the church to shake. God is calling us to walk in faith, to believe him and to take him at his word and to know that that as much as things are hard right now, none of this is a surprise to God. He's known it, and he knows the answer. But we got to start listening. We got to start paying attention. Some of you feel like, man, I'm the only one. If I go to work and I start talking about Jesus, then I'm the only one, and I'm the and I'll be I'll be ostracized, or I'll be I'll be I'll be looked at differently, and all of those things. But can I tell you, you can either choose to fit in in a graveyard, or you can start bringing things to life. we got to stop being okay with fitting in in a graveyard. It's time for us to raise our level of expectation. I'll be honest, I think that I'm, I'm as guilty as anybody else with this. And there's a lot of times that it's just easier to just see things as they are and just accept them. People will say, oh yeah, I'm really hurting in this area of my life. Will you pray? Yeah, I'll pray for you. And you pray, but you don't necessarily always expect that anything's going to change. I heard a story about a woman who came to church. She hadn't been to church in years and she, she was in a wheelchair. She hadn't walked in decades. And she wheeled into church and she had a plastic bag attached to her wheelchair. And as she went forward for prayer, somebody, asked, somebody was standing around and kind of hit the bag and said, what's in the bag? And she said, that's my shoes and my socks because I'm going to walk out of here today. Amen. And I thought, what if we approached life like that? What if we approached prayer like that? What if we didn't just say a word and, yeah, I did what I was supposed to do. I did my duty. What if we spoke life where there's death? What if we believed in miracles again? Ezekiel 37, verse 11. When he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I believe that God is speaking to a generation, a generation that is so lost 
and so dying and so hurting. But he needs the church to open their mouth. He needs us to speak life. What if in 2024 we believed that God not only can do miracles, he wants to do miracles. For some of us, that that terrifies us. Why? Because it, it makes us into a place that's uncomfortable. Because what if I pray for somebody and miracles don't happen? Can I tell you, this is the most freeing thing that I've ever figured out in all of my years of ministry. If I pray for somebody for God to do a miracle in their life and it doesn't happen, it actually isn't on me. Some of us don't pray it because we don't want to be disappointed if it doesn't happen. God is the one in control. God is the one that can do exceeding abundant above anything that we could ever hope or imagine. That's the God that we serve. But we got to start speaking truth and love. And we've got to start realizing that it's through us opening our mouth and, and speaking God, God's word. Some of you today, I just, I really feel like this. Some of you have relationships in your life right now that you buried, that you're, you were done with. You've thought there's no hope for them anymore. It's dead and it's gone. And maybe today's the day where you got to relook at it and start speaking God's word over it. For some of you, your, your financial crisis has put you in a place where you, it's all, you're consumed with it. Maybe it's politics. Maybe you're somebody in the room and that's all you focus on is, is politics and where things are going and what will happen. What if, what if, what if, what if? And can I tell you, speak God's word over your mind, over your heart over this country, over this world. He's the only one that can bring death to life. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes with me for the next few moments. And I just want to take a moment right now. We're going to have the prayer teams are going to come down here and they're going to be available if you need prayer for anything. But as we wrap this up today, I just want to take a moment And I want you to be honest tonight and just say, you know, God, there are things in my life that I've, I've just said, this is as much as I can do. This is, this is as far as I can take it. And if you're sitting in this room and you've accepted Jesus as your personal Savior and you're a child of the Most High King, then He doesn't want you to be stuck with your limitations. He wants you to realize that now you are limitless because you serve a limitless God. So maybe you can come to a place of almost repentance where you say, God, I have wrestled and I've tried to make things happen, but today I'm resting them in your hands. Some of you, you've got children who are not serving the Lord right now and you've done everything in your power to bring them back. Today's your day where you lay them at, your, at his feet and you say, God, you are limitless and I'm trusting you. Maybe your faith is wavering and you're struggling. I love the story of the dad that says, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. Maybe that's the prayer you need to pray today. You hear me talk about faith, but you don't even really fully know how to do that. But today you can just say, God, I want faith that can move mountains. I've got this it in my life and it needs to be removed. But God, I need you to show me. So I want to pray over you. The worship team is going to lead us in a little bit more worship. The altars are going to be open. But let's not leave here without 
like first saying, God, what is it in my life? What are the things in my life that I need to work on? Father, I'm so grateful because you are so good and you love us so much and you have such great plans for us. Lord, I think of these two stories that we looked at, one in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament. God, really there's the, this common denominator and it's faith. It's coming to a place where we trust you. So Lord, I pray that we, the church, would trust you more, that God, we would speak life to those things that are dead, that we will be a light in a dark world, that we won't fear what others think, but that we'll stand on your truth. So God, I pray over people that are within the sound of my voice right now who have relationships that are on the brink, that have financial situations that are a struggle, that have have health issues that seem insurmountable. In Jesus' name right now, God, we speak the word of the Lord over those things. And we call death back to life. We praise you, God, and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name. Hey, thanks for listening. River of Life is a ministry in East Missoula, Montana. We exist for one purpose, to make Jesus famous by showing his love to the lost, broken, and hurting. For more information, you can check us out online at rolmt.com. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we'd love to talk to you about what comes next. Shoot us an email at nextstep at rolmt.com. Thanks.